Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. You know, sometimes you try to bite off more than you can chew, and we did last week. So we're in the middle of a story. We're right um, in the middle of the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 in John chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 30 through 44 is where the story is. And I kept talking and talking. So I've told Dr. Hunter, I said, why don't you get us started this time? So take her away. All right. This uh, context starts... Um at chapter 6 in Mark, about verse 30, is where we picked up in this particular context. And it's always important um, when you're studying Bible in your home or with your, your small group or people around you, that you um, always, if you can, study a particular passage, at least in the context. And because whatever the truth is, whatever the information is, in that context, that's what needs to stay whole. You can always take a verse out and use it as long as you don't change the meaning of that verse inside that context to go out. And so we're picking up into this context of Jesus visiting, uh, feeding the 5,000, which started with them um, trying to get away um, to the other side. And um, so I just lead that into it. the, uh, Jesus' disciples, they go on a boat and going across. The disciples, when they figured out what was going on, they ran around the lake, and some of them beat the boat there mm-hmm. uh, when it was twice as long or even more to go around, which shows you, and it's not saying the whole group made it, so those who were who were uh, energetic, you know, and uh, had the stamina to do it, made it around because they wanted to be where Jesus was. And that's what our safe harbor is about. That's what moving in Christ is all about, is trying to be where Christ, it, we're in his world, but trying to surround ourselves with the environment of where Christ is and then trying to create that as we move forward each day. And so they got around there and was waiting for them when they got there and immediately saying, we have these other needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jesus went and trying to get to a deserted place. And and that's what it's called in the King James, some version of deserted place. But um, what you want to all, that word, in this context, could if you use the if you use the terminology "lonely place," yes. would fit it just it as would. well, yeah. um, if if not better. He was trying to get them to a lonely lonely place, but then also there's an underwriting current in there because this deserted place right out in the middle of nowhere. It shows up when they get ready to sit down and, and feed it, and there's something about this narrative that suggests that Christ is in the process of reclaiming what has become wild into that which becomes usable. Um, Again, there's something underwriting that's going on in there. Uh, um, 
and so there he's telling them, I think we pick it up about verse 20, 37, maybe right around in there. Wherever you wish. Okay. Uh, um, um, but he answers and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and, uh, and give them something to eat? And as you had mentioned earlier, that, that's, that's uh, way over a half year's wage, somewhere uh, um, eight months wage, you know, to, to feed it. One, remember, they weren't carrying around all they didn't have it. And, and so don't, don't, don't think of this as a cheapness. Don't, mm-hmm. don't think of this the way somebody might respect you coming out and need this. Don't think of it that way because that's not the way that, that they're looking at it. They're saying, uh, um, literally what they're asking is, where could we even find that? Amount in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where would it be? Where would we go to find this? Okay, so where do you go in this world when you're trying to find Jesus? Where, where do you go when you're trying to find peace? Where do you go when you're trying to work some things out? Where do you? So, so that's that whole struggle that that that's laid in on top of here, uh, and. Um, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Okay, and so we go, we go into that. Now, um, in another version of this text, I was trying to remember exactly how it states it. But somewhere earlier in the day, Jesus had been speaking to Philip. I believe it was, you know, and, and talked to, to Philip uh, um, about um, getting... Getting, getting them something, you know. He was talking to them that kind of way. And, um, you know, and Philip basically was, well, what are you asking me for? I don't, I don't have anything, and there's nothing out here. Um, and when he was talking with Philip, he was trying to lead him to understand that I know there's no bread out here. I know there's no meat out here. There's no protein out here. I know that. He was trying to lead Philip to say, so where do you go when there's nothing there? Where do you go? He's trying to lead Philip to look to him. Who might you have out here <laughs> that, that, what might you do? Because he, he, he asked him earlier, so, mm-hmm. so Philip, and he asked Philip as separate and apart from the rest of them, which means Philip had all day to work on this one question in his head and still did not get to where the Christ won. That's why when he Kept coming back to this point. You all don't see this, guys. You're not getting the point. Mm-hmm. You know that was part of it. He tells them, "You're not. You know, I'm. I'm giving you a heads up. I want you. I know where where we are, but there's somebody possibly you haven't asked. <laughs> you know about this. You, you know what? What do you? Okay. So so that's where this whole thing of, of going is. Uh, never give up on your prayers. And never give up on moving toward the right thing. The problem, the struggle that you're working on in your life, never give up trying to move that forward um, because God is going to be there in this process. Sometimes it takes longer than others. Sometimes it's very quick. Um, and sometimes it may be a lifelong struggle, you, you know, that you're working through. But it's where your heart is with God and what you want to do for him. And so he says, you give them something to eat. Uh, um, they ask the, the bread thing, how many loaves do you have? They find five loaves. Two fifths. That's one miracle that um, that um, 
um, when this, uh, they started doing this uh, study about uh, demythologizing um, the New Testament, that just came up, okay, th this, this can't be a reality, this, this can't be true, so therefore this is one of the miracles that we got to write, write out, you know, just write off you know, the text. But it's very much in line with what Christ was trying to do. If, in fact, he needed to depend on other people and everything else for the food he needed to feed them, he would have had this miracle set up in the middle of a city, you, you know, somewhere where they could go get the stuff. But intentionally, he leaves them out there to where the only person out here that can take care of what you need is me. And that's what I want you to understand. And we're constantly challenged with that. You know, sometimes we start doing better. I don't need God, you know, as much because I... I have enough in the bank to take care of this, and Lord, all, and then all of a sudden the doctor tells you something you don't want to hear and realize that's, that's not what I need over there. I need this. All right. And so that, that's the, the point that's kind of coming up out of this. It says to them, how many loaves do you have? They go through that. Uh, uh, and the, the manna, uh, five loaves, two fish. And he talks about the, 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 this is really the manna, um, but represents kind of the divine presence of God. That This food here is the divine presence of God. And he Commanded them, verse 39, commanded them to make them sit down in groups on the green grass. Um, so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken uh, the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to disciples to, to set them uh, to set them before. gave them to his disciples to set before them and the two fish he divided among them. All right. So he took the loaves. He blessed and broke it. That's communion language. And that's important because anywhere in the Bible from this point on, when you read, you know, um, uh, he blessed it, he took it, blessed it, gave it. Mm -hmm. when, he, when those words shows up, bless, break and, it, took yeah, it, break it. Yeah. Uh, it's talking, that's communion language. John uses it over in James when he's talking about sin, you see those, those three words. Still, so every time it comes up, he's trying to signal something back to you that we come to know as communion language. Why, why is this taking and um, blessing and breaking? Why is this important? Because of what God did. He took what was there available to them and made it work for the masses. Um, and it's interesting and important to note that there were more, we read about the feeding of the 5,000, what it's called, but in reality, there were more like at least 20,000 people out there because the Jewish people never counted women and children. It was only the men. So when that figure showed up, you're talking about men. So if you put one woman for every man, because men aren't going anywhere without, it's not women, somewhere around. <laughs> A one one fairy man and two kids for you know for a couple you got somewhere in the neighborhood twenty thousand people you know out there in in the scene and so um and he then starts demonstrating to them his power now now Philip, now you disciples, now that you know that you can't feed them and you know you know you can't feed them, let me show you what this power of God is about, you know, and so we're going to feed them, and of course that feeding them physically was showing them and pointing them to something else. Yes, okay. I, I love it. I, I love what the other Gospels do when they say they found a boy who had this food. They, they didn't have it. They found mm -hmm. the boy who had it. I'm kidding. I, I, I always think about that kid going, oh my goodness, your mother packed a lunch. And that you, the only one who had one, evidently. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
now Jesus's posse has come around and surrounded you saying, we're going to need the food. But at the very end, a whole bunch of leftovers were picked up. And I, I, I assume, because just knowing Jesus, he probably gave those to the boy. Mm-hmm. Said, now you got more than you came with. You know, take it home. But we can look at this. Um, I, I like the image of, of giving thanks and breaking the loaves. And absolutely, that's what he does at Passover. That's what uh, we call communion, breaking a bread. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll hear that phrase a lot. Uh, it doesn't just mean communion. Anytime you met at a, a fellowship meal. Now, in Protestant churches, a fellowship meal sometimes means you ask everybody potluck. You ask them to bring a dish. If you're outside of America, you, this is a great tradition. You ought to be in America sometime when they're having a potluck. And they bring all this stuff in and you stay after church usually and eat together as a group. To Jesus, a fellowship meal was any meal. When you ate with somebody, you had fellowship with them. If you were on your own, you had fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. But every meal was an opportunity to be thankful and to interact with other people. Uh, I think sometimes we get away from that. Often we get busy and the like, but we, you know, we'll put our phone on the table. You know, phones mm-hmm. don't belong on a table. There's no place setting for a phone. It is, um, it's a time to remember. Now, we always pray before our meals. We don't pray because we think God will be angry if we don't. But we pray to be intentionally thankful for the people there mm-hmm. and for the food. When my grandsons were little and it would be their turn to pray, you could always tell they had one eye open because they're going around praying for each person at the table. Sometimes you could even tell who were the most important because they got named first, mm-hmm. sometimes twice, before they came around. But I, I love this story. And just by the way, again, these are Jews writing a story. And they get to write it in their way and in their culture. When I was a boy, I was always concerned about how often things happened in the Bible in even numbers. You know, he reigned for 40 years. There are 5,000 people here. There are 3,000. They are not interested, or at this time, were not interested in precision, but in giving you a picture. So there's nobody out there counting. I went to church once where a man had a counter. Every time he clicked it, he'd move it forward. This wasn't digital, guys. They didn't have phones to do this. And it was his job to click everybody in. And then they'd put up on there how many came that week. That's not a Jewish custom. So um, this provision, and I love the way you brought that in, is going to come back because they don't learn their lesson. And they're going to have to keep fighting this. But anything before we go to the the pretty fun uh, and interesting next section? Um, just a couple of, of observations. In, in the middle of the wilderness, they sit down in a field of grass. Okay. You know, and, and so there, there's some pictures there that start rising up because, in, and especially in this part of the country uh, um, where, where this is picture is taking place, is when they sit down, they're sitting down in some kind of grass field, whatever, whatever that was, and for that number of people, which in our, our mind, we go right past it, but realizing, you know, wait a minute, that's kind of interesting to find that, a picture like that. I mean, I, I know there's spots about it, but it. But they're in the wilderness, and when they stop to eat, they sit down in some kind 
This is not like sitting in one of the desert pictures when we see the Middle East and we're looking at somebody and it's rocks and sand. That may be around them, but where they actually stopped at has some kind of hospitalness, at least um, that. Yeah, Um, and and you said that earlier. I just want to stress the point. When the Bible says they went into a desert, it doesn't mean desert like we think of in Death Valley, you know, Western Nevada, uh, parts of New Mexico. It meant without people. There wasn't a settlement there. So it might be green. And we know it's lakeside. So, okay, go ahead. I just yeah. want to make yeah. sure they got that. And they, um, all of them were filled, as, as you mentioned, all, all, all of them um, were filled. And that's going to lead us to the understanding when, when Paul starts talking about Ephesians. I want you to be filled with the Spirit of God, you know, filled with, with the Holy Spirit. So there's something there of, of them being able to say, okay, we can now go on to the next thing because our need was taken care of. Um, we can now see Christ in a different um, kind of way. You know, unfortunately, you know, they're, they're going to eventually get to the point of trying to kill him uh, um, because of the fact, if you can keep doing this for us, if you did it today, you can do it tomorrow. Therefore, you're the king. They're saying, no, I don't want you to look at it that kind of way. And so we don't want to take that part about it, but we do want to, to realize that. Um, and, the, and the thing of making a notion out of what they took up is that God doesn't waste anything, <laughs> and we know he does it. But, but don't, uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't attach a spiritual significance yeah. Other than to the reality, maybe, you know, the kids, family and stuff like that. They've been, but, but of the fact that it was food and, and it was scarce. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, just like you had mentioned what's going on uh, in Israel right, right now. Just getting trucks through the border um, mm-hmm. with food. Um, you know, now in, in North America, United States, um, you may still go to your grocery store, wherever you are in the world. You may go to your grocery store and pick up what you need and, and go home. But we're watching the television uh, and people who can't um, go to a store anywhere and don't have it. Uh, and, um, and so you're starting to then see, okay, well, who's acting for God? Now, so you start seeing that food roll in, but we got to get more of it in. And, and so you, you see how this dynamic is, is being played out, at least on the physical level. Uh, um, but here they're being filled the disciples get a chance to see what was going on because their faith is going to be substantially increased. Doesn't mean that they're at the end of their road because they have many more times. When, if you can imagine, Some of them you know, coming right up. Yeah, yeah Jesus, <laughs> when he just looks, at, if you've seen those little memes on Facebook and stuff where the kids are going like that, yes. Jesus just looks down, oh my God, we're, <laughs> you know, we're here again at, at the mm-hmm. same point in time. But it's because of the fact that we are in the flesh. And that's part of the reason that we come together. That's part of the reason why you gather where you are in the world and watch the, the programming here, watch the sermon that come out, watch the communion service. You do it with your own because we're constantly going around this circle and the mountain and Satan is beating us up constantly around it. And when you get beat up that kind of way, it takes your mind and your focus off certain kinds of things. Sometimes you forget something altogether till something brings it back to your memory. Oh, you know what? I've been through this. Um, before and and the people needed to see it uh, and then the, and then Christ needed to show it to them because he said now if you can see this you're going to start understanding 
what I can do for you on the, not from the outside in, but from the inside out and what I have planned for you. And, um, and I think that kind of at least brings me to, to the end of it, other than the fact that this is such a powerful miracle and probably one of the, the best known mm-hmm. that, you know, that happens. Uh, um, the loaves and the fish, uh, um, he feeds them from the ground and from the water, frees them from the ground and the water, uh, um, which then becomes now we're going to start seeing that story play out uh, more. Um, we're going to get to a couple of places where water shows up, yeah. but, but water then becomes a problem. You, you know, there's a challenge mm-hmm. uh, that faces it. So it's, it's not there. Okay, so we'll let we'll, that come. We'll, we'll get to it. And by the way, as, as we are now, um, it would be about four weeks ago, we published it, and it's, on, it's pinned. It's on the top of the page. Uh, if you go to our Safe Harbor Church, I did a class on baptism as if I'm teaching children and, or younger teens why we do it and why the water is important. And I used the water theme. And we go through scripture looking at the water theme. So you may want to have a look at that. Um, speaking of water, immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him into Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. I think they immediately probably has links to do with they still haven't had rest. And there comes a time where Jesus gets tired of people showing up because they wanted free bread instead of the message. Uh, But moving, after leaving them, he went up on a... um, Now notice what's happened. He made his disciples get into the boat... He dismissed the crowd. He goes up on a mountainside to pray. So he's, he's just breaking up the party here. Later that night, and this is one of my favorite stories, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Right? If you've never done this, I always loved rowing a boat. I really enjoyed uh, getting into a small Usually it's an aluminum boat and you've got two oars and you sit in the middle and you row with your back facing the, uh, the pointy bit of the boat. Uh, and as you're pulling, you know, the bow goes forward. I enjoyed that process. However, if you've got wind, the sides of the boat now become sails. And every time you row, you're getting pushed sideways or backwards. We were on a cruise ship once where they, the captain just came on and said, these winds are going to be just unreasonably high for the next two days, and we are going to have a rough ride. And most cruise ships tamp that down, and you do pretty well. But he said, we are a gigantic sail. And even with all that technology, he had to adjust his course because he couldn't go straight from A to B because of the wind. Uh, here he's watching them. They're trying. You know, imagine the fish and the bread have worn off now. They're, they have no food. They're trying mm-hmm. to get to the edge. So he sees them. So shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. I just want to stop there. <clears throat> I wonder about this. Uh, Rick, I, I have heard... I've heard the traditional holy version. And it's true 
that sometimes in Scripture, God calls people to watch him pass by. Most famously, Moses, to pass by. And that is a, um, and it is an expression used sometimes by emperors, kings, and alike for you to watch the procession of the power go by you. And yet, I find it fascinating. He went out to be with them. He didn't do what they did with Moses, where God put him in a rock and said, watch for this. He just like walks past them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. You know something? Fair enough. I'm not going to criticize him for that. Mm -hmm. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Now, what you brought up last week, you know, we're, we're scared, we're scared. Who can we go to to get help? It would be him. So the same thing. Um, immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. You know, I wonder, I really wonder if he didn't just calm down or, um, you know, chill dudes or grow a spine, something. He said, it's, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Okay. We can go back and talk about anything you want to talk about. But there is a glaring omission in this story. And I love that it's not there. Peter used Mark as his scribe, as his writer. And Peter, if you remember from Matthew and Luke, doesn't come off great in this story. (laughs) In in human eyes. I don't mess with him. Uh, I still think Peter has the world human water walking championship. But if you remember, Peter got it. Terrified, he looks to Jesus and he says, can I come to you? I think Peter's the first one of the disciples to really get it. Mm -hmm. He gets out there, but as he's getting out there, he gets scared and distracted, which is my story every day. Mm -hmm. I'm heading to Jesus. Oh no, what's going to happen to me now? You know, Mm -hmm. tragedy. Um, And Jesus, in fact, even says, why don't you have faith? Why are you afraid? But he doesn't ridicule him, takes him back in a boat. And in the other stories, now they're more afraid of him than they were mm-hmm. other situations, which I find hilarious, but human. And if you're writing a book about experiences where you might not come off well, I bet you change the writing a little bit or leave out a bit. Peter leaves out about him walking out and going down, and I'm okay with that. Because I can see the other stories, and I can go, you know something? Peter was human, and God works with humans. He understands. Mm-hmm. He does. All right, I've, I'm, I'm looking up the clock now. I've gone here. Here, I've just eaten mm-hmm. up a bunch of time. Go for it. They, um, I like the point that you you brought up uh, about Peter. Uh, um, yeah, uh, um, and back in the garden when it came up with with, <laughs> with the. Uh, Soldier's ear, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and the whole, the you know, the the whole thing. If you look at the, the narrative that comes up, the the name, you know, that is never, yes. never, is never mentioned, and um, and that's a good thing because 
I think most people, a lot of people, maybe some people, have stuff in their closet. Oh, yeah. Not closet in their closet at home. I mean, yeah. in in their the skeletons yeah, in your closet. Yeah, you know that that you pray will never um, be found out. I mean, they've been him years ago, and nobody even knows that you yeah. know, still knows, but you know, and you you know, and you thinking, boy, what you know, that was just long ago. I was doing so stupid, whatever. Uh, um, it's those kind of things. But but Peter. Um, you know, but it's a unique thing to walk with God, you know, is, is the fact that in spite of that, uh, um, the Lord still, whatever it is that he's going to bring you through, he'll, he'll bring you, you through it. Now, whereas people on social media may criticize, they, they find somebody that did something 20 years ago and, you know, and they said, OK, we're going to cancel them out because yeah. they get it. Not realizing that now it may be the exact same person. They may be the exact same way. I'm not going in that part of it, but but. Most people grow, and if you grow in a good, moral, ethical way forward, um, you're going to go through changes. Just like in Scripture, when you're studying Scripture, if you're understanding this, the same things in the same amount of ways a year or two from now, and you're studying, then you have to wonder, am I, am I growing a lot? Because you're going to grow um, through the process, and you're going to see things differently. So what I saw then, I could see, and so many times in in the religious realm, being to say, well, you know, matter of fact, they said that you said this four years ago because mm-hmm. I have you on tape. Yep. And you said this. And I said, <laughs> that was the best I knew at that time. Yes. I said, but but you all were the ones that were excited that, that I'm going to school. I'm going to school because you learn at school. So you got to allow a person to grow. But more than that, you allow God to grow and them to help you get better, you know, mm-hmm. at, at this, this thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and so it's good. Yeah, the but, internet is forever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and there is a, a couple of things that, that are interesting about the text. At verse 48, um, it says that um, um, then he saw them straining and rowing, which you rode earlier, and the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night. Now, in the, in the Jewish chronology, there were four watches, one from six to nine, six in the evening to nine, nine to midnight, midnight to three in the morning, and then three to six. And so when Jesus first observed them, they were in the first watch of the night. When he finally showed up, they were in the fourth watch. So they were out there straining for somewhere between nine and 12 hours. They were out there just just going through it. And then, and that reminds us, uh, you know, Lord, why aren't you showing up? Why have I been out here so long? Why aren't you leaving me, me out here? You, you know, there, there's something of a sense because he was aware of what was going on, you know, with them. And they're in it. They now have seen the loaves and the bread and the feeding and saying, what, what's going on? Isn't that like a dilemma of, of our life? Why do I go through this problem all mm-hmm. over again? Why? Why can't I get, you know, it's a human, and that thing won't be resolved until we pass over, you know, with God, because it keeps coming back. If if you're not doing something to yourself, somebody's doing something to you. Uh, um, And so that's the challenge there. And Jesus knowingly left them, no, I don't want to say left them, because it sounds like, (laughs) sounds like a bad parent, you you know, with the kids. He allowed them, you know, to go through this, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, you're not going to get through this storm without me, but I want you to understand. So, so we've got that dynamic that's coming up or, or that's happening. And then um, at verse 50, um, for they all saw him and were troubled. So they saw him when he's walking, 
and they were all troubled. But immediately he talked to them and said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Okay. So he sees them. They see him. Or he's always seen them. They see him. All right. They're in a storm. They're losing their minds. They're freaking out. And Jesus is standing out in the storm. He's literally standing out in the storm. They're on the boat that's being tossed around. And Jesus says, be of good cheer as I don't be afraid. Now, the storm is still raging around them. When, Jesus, when they see him and Jesus encounters them, the storm is still raging. It's going crazy. And Jesus says, it's okay, guys. Be of good cheer. It's all right. But, Lord, don't you understand that the storm is still raging? And, and you know, if we, can, if we can make this a talking narrative, he says, you know, I know I'm standing in the middle of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually here on, on the water. But why are you telling us to be of, of good cheer? Jesus, before he does anything to the storm going on on the outside, he calms their storm on the inside. He leaves them in the middle of this physical storm, and he starts speaking to their spirit. He's speaking to their soul, to their mind. In the middle of the storm, he says, be a good tear. It's okay. You're going to be okay. But Lord, I'm in a storm. I know you're in a storm, but you're talking to me. I'm talking to you. He doesn't calm that. First, he calms the storm on the inside. All right? And then, very next verse, and then he went up. And to, uh, into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, the storm ceased. In every one of the Gospels where this is mentioned, when Jesus is in the boat, the storm ceased. Mm -hmm. Now, there's another miracle where Jesus spoke to the storm yeah. and said, peace be still, okay? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it calmed down. This is not that one. Jesus is in the storm, steps going on, tells you guys, okay, calm down, it's, it's okay, it's, it's all right, I'm here. Storm is still raging. As soon as he steps on the deck of the boat, the storm stops. As if the storm knew its job was over, because he says nothing to the storm. He just steps onto the boat where they are, and all of a sudden the storm goes away. Okay, and so there's things there that, that these life applications that are coming out to, to help us. Uh, um, we're going to be in storms. There, there's times when we're going to be thrown into the middle of stuff. And there's times when we, don't, we see what's out there, and we're not trying to go near it with a 10-foot pole. We are trying, we are trying. And most of you, most of us, have got thrown into the middle of stuff. And then you ask, why am I here? I'm not even, I wasn't trying to be here. I don't want to be here. I just wasn't, and you get thrown into stuff, and you've got to deal with it. All right? And so Jesus is saying, um, don't go crazy on the inside. Don't lose your mind. Don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I'm going to be with you. We'll move through this. I'm going to settle this. But it's a growing process. It's a part of living in this world. It's a part of the fact that sin is in this world. Uh, um, and no matter how good we are, we're, we're never going to be able to control that. Um, as bad as the things that we're seeing in the news and the media that's going on and Israel stuff like that, and we think if this could never happen again. But there's already micro little wars and starvations that are starting to pop up in other places if you're following the, the, the news. And so this is going to be an ongoing thing. So he calms the storm on the outside before he does anything 
you, you know, or calm a storm on the inside, inside before he does anything about the storm on, on, the, on the outside and steps into the boat. And then they're able to go on. And so as we mentioned, the fish came out of the water, so this water thing starts coming up. And so they rip, every time the water shows up, if, if it's significant in the text, it's always chaos. Normally mm -hmm. it's chaos uh, that's, that's going on. Uh, um, From Genesis 1 verse 2. Yeah, yes. Yes. And so it's, this is a healing text mm -hmm. designed to be that, but it's a strength text. And it's, it's a learning text with the disciples. They're, they're, they're growing, they're stretching, they're understanding that, well, he not only can work on land, but he can also work on, on why, you, you know, see, they've seen it for the first time. And, and that's significant because, uh, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but uh, back then, deities had a territory. territory. And you know, you, the god of the mountains is not the god of the valley. Mm -hmm. The god of this village is not the god of that village. And the gods that live in the sea, you know, Leviathan, Rahab, mm -hmm. they named several of them. Mm -hmm. uh, they, those gods you know, cannot be defeated by this because it's over here. They're beginning to learn he has power over matter uh, with feeding. Mm -hmm. He has power over storms. He has power over physics. He can walk on water. They're, they're learning, but as it says, their hearts were hardened. I, I don't, in verse 52, I don't think that's too harsh to say, but I really think what he's saying is it took a long time for Jesus to break through that shell. I think that we need to remember that the apostles had not gone to vacation Bible school and had not gone to, to Sunday school for years. This is all new. And I'm amazed at how fast they got it. Whenever, even when I see all the doubting, I keep going, I, I would have doubted longer, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hold off there and we will wait uh, and pick up the story, which the story is basically over uh, chapter um, 6 verse 53 where we'll start next time really belongs in its own separate section it's just a it's an interval section so talk about that next week god bless you god keep you and god may his grace to shine upon you we we're so grateful for you remember to also look up rick hunter sun force media on youtube and see what he's got cooking over there god bless